This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. It'll work crisscrossing with Jost. Right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one-on-two. And Jost. McKinnon. The best avalanche coverage in Denver. to another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm your host today, AJ Hayfley. Uh, once again, joining me today, Nathan Rudolph sitting in for Jesse Montano as he continues to battle the elements known as real life. Uh, Nathan, just starting to become a regular thing, buddy. It's uh, it's good to have you back. And the last couple of episodes we've done, people have liked. So you're here to talk, uh, here to talk some more draft with me. Yeah, I'm starting to get a little bit comfortable here. I tell you, it's going to be weird. One of these days, I'm going to throw a curveball at you, and we're going to talk about free agency instead, and it's going to be like, oh, we're talking about actual NHL players for once? <laughs> Way more, a lot more solid going on there, not as much projection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Where it's always, like, I love talking draft, and I love talking future, because, you know, this is these are all, like, three, four, five years down the road we're having these conversations about these guys, but... It's always it's always different when you talk about the NHL guys because you're like, oh yeah, in September that guy can start helping you. Yeah, he and this we already know. Yeah, and with this, with this year's draft class and with where they're picking, uh, that's just not the case. Yeah. So it's um, it's funny how that works. We uh, we talked yesterday about the 16th pick. We talked last week about the fourth pick. I wrote a mock draft today, and in spirit of that, we're just going to have it basically be mock draft day. We're going to go ahead and do one uh, in this show. We're going to do a mock draft. You and I are just going to alternate picks. And, you know, I figure with, when we get to the abs picks, instead of just one of us making the pick, we can collaborate because we're both here and... We both know what we're talking about. So going to go ahead and get to that at some point. Before we do that, though, I want to get into one of the draft's most interesting debates. We talked yesterday about Lavoie and Kaliev and how those guys are polarizing prospects, to say the least. Um, today, we're going to get into another guy who widely considered the third best talent in the draft for a lot of the season. That has started to change quite a bit as we get closer to the draft. He started to drop a little bit. Russian winger Vasily Podkolzin. Rudo, just off the top of your head, how how do you feel about him? Well, I, I do think he's the best natural winger in the draft. Uh, it, it's a bit hard to place him, especially because his statistics are all over the place. He's absolutely been a star in a lot of the international competitions, but mm-hmm. he really hasn't played a, ton, played a ton in any of the Russian leagues. He played some junior, he played some in the VHL, and he only got three games in the KHL. <clears throat> so his long-term season has kind of been a little bit all over the place. But 
for me, I definitely have him closer to the the fourth pick conversation than I would say the 16th. Uh, unfortunately, I think he just ends up falling in the in-between there where the ads aren't going to be able to pick him. Yeah, I. it's interesting to see his drop. You know, at the start yeah. of the year, it was he's the third guy. And whoever whoever gets the third pick, it was going to be a three a three person draft kind of in that the top two guys everybody knew about, and then the third guy had separated, and then after that the draft was really beginning going to begin at four with whoever you know whoever had that pick and whatever they valued the most and blah 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 blah. That's not the case anymore, um, and I think that as you mentioned the production. We are we are always guarding people against just looking at box scores, especially with prospects, and and saying, "Oh, well, this guy's good, this guy's bad." Especially guys in Russia, but the production just—it's been very mediocre. It, it has, and we talked about this with Krebs as well. Um, he is a guy that may have fallen a bit because of how strong of a season some of the USNTDP guys have had. Mm-hmm. And I think Pod Colson does fall into kind of that same category where the just insane production from that team has boosted a couple of guys up while Pod Colson has fallen the other direction. Yeah, and you know, he had an opportunity at uh the U18s here that just completed a couple weeks ago that he had a chance. You know, that's where, you know, Cole Caulfield put himself potentially in the top ten. Yeah. By going I- out there and 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 matching uh, an Alex Ovechkin record, you know, yeah. which that's the kind of thing that makes you stand up and say, all right, well, I guess we're going to pay attention to this now, <laughs> you know, like, okay. Um, you know, Jack Hughes put up over 20 points in that tournament. Every, everybody, you know, Trevor Zegras really started moving up uh, because of that tournament. And, you know, there was an argument that, oh, well, the Russian team just isn't as good. But then the Russian team won the silver medal. And they gave uh, Pod Coles in the captaincy as well. Yeah. So, you know, he was supposed to be a big part of that team and he was fine. He had four points in seven games, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but And he had a it, strong finish. Like it, he was good in the second half of that tournament, um, but it just didn't feel like he was dominant. Right. Like compared to the start of his season at the Holinka, where he just crushed <laughs> it, yeah. it wasn't the same performance there he was and, and i mean you want to talk about a you want to talk about a tournament where a guy was dominant yeah his performance of the ivan Holinka was awesome yeah he went in <laughs> yeah i i mean he he ate that tournament up and you know the 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 world junior a challenge same thing like he was very good in those what was it about the U18s that he just wasn't able to get going? I, you know, I think it comes down to uh, his consistency a little bit, especially on the defensive side. I think he's just fine there, but at times I wonder if his IQ is quite there on that end. Mm-hmm. It's it just seems like he can he can find himself getting lost, and a lot of the time he has the work ethic to just power through and be fine. But he could be a little bit smarter. That work ethic is one of his biggest selling points as well. Yeah. When we when we get into what we like about Pod Colson, for me, 
it's not even the skill level. It's number one thing that I love the most about him. It's the work ethic and the intensity that he brings every single shift. Yeah, absolutely. He's always got 100% full bore going. So it's, it's very, you know, the, the Russian stereotype very much does not apply to him. Right. Exactly. Uh, and when you're when you're comparing him to uh, to to guys, we always we always do the comparables, which I know drives some people crazy. But he's a guy that's always reminded me a little bit of Alex Radulov. Yeah, I I can see it. I I think almost he might even work a little bit harder, but maybe not quite the skill ceiling. Yeah, yeah. I would I would agree that the the skill there. M- for me, it kind of comes and goes. Um, yeah. There are there are shifts where I watch where I'm like, "Holy smokes!" Okay, like this guy. This guy looks like a top five pick. You know, this guy looks like he could be dominant. But I don't. I don't feel comfortable with that because I don't see it all the time. Yeah, I mean, it gets into kind of that power forward conversation again, and when he's holding off a player and driving to the net and holding onto the puck, you see that and you go, wow, okay, there's something here for sure. But it's just such a hard thing to do, especially for kids this young to play like that consistently. Yeah, it's, I mean, (laughs) they are still, they are still kids, right? Like they are still teenagers here that we're talking about here. So it's, it's a tough it's it's tough to see that from from kids all the time and and it definitely is hard to, to ding a guy for consistency when you know that guy wakes up every morning and he's he has no idea what's up or down on any given day just because being a teenager is awful <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> some of the kids out there that can go in and put the work in every day it's really incredible to watch yeah, those those kids that are machines where you're just yeah. like, okay, this this kid was like bred for this. Like he he just gets it. You know, he yeah. just has that in him where he's he's not looking out there. He's not going out there to play video games, not doing any of that. He's like, "No, I'll, I'll go to the gym and I'll I'll lift or I'll run or I'll whatever." You know, crazy crazy stuff. Uh Pod Colson ultimately uh we were asked on Twitter just before the start of the show. Somebody wanted to know, you know, do you could you see him realistically dropping to 16? We had very different answers. You said you have him a lot closer to four to 16. And I said, I could see him dropping. Why do you have him closer to four? I think he just is strong enough player. Um, He has the skill and talent as well as the body type to, to be a player that deserves to be top 10. I truly believe. And Mm -hmm. you mentioned the Russian factor, which it does matter. And I could see that causing him to fall some, but I think someone, even if they're not the traditional Russian pick teams, is gonna like him. I think he'll he'll be good in interviews, and they'll they'll take a chance on him in the top ten. My thing was trying to find a team that was comfortable with it. Yeah, you know the I don't feel like obviously the first two teams are irrelevant. I really don't feel like Chicago would do that would go no. there. But what a monkey wrench that would be. Yeah, <laughs> if Colorado was suddenly picking between Turcotte and Byram at four, you're like, whoa, what do we do? Yeah, it the from there on, like the next five people are all moving up a spot, right? Yeah, it would be interesting. Uh, my my mock draft that I posted today on BSN Denver, which you guys definitely have already read, uh, I had him going six to Detroit because I feel like you're you're gonna need a guy that's got uh, a 
a general manager that's got job security and nobody has more job security than Steve Eiserman in Detroit. Yeah. And it, historically Detroit has never had too much trouble with Russians either. Right. And beyond that, Pod Colson is something that they don't have a ton of in their young forward core right now. Yeah. And that's that's why I had him going to the six to Detroit. But my big thing is, is if he gets past them, I have trouble finding a landing spot for him for a while. You know, I don't think Buffalo would do it as much as I think they need forward help. I don't know that they one, they I don't think they want to wait. Yeah. And that's the other thing. We haven't actually talked about this yet. Uh Pod Colson signed for two more seasons uh over in over in the KHL, but Two seasons of a guy developing in Russia and two seasons of a guy developing in college or or juniors could look very different. Yes. You don't know what what where he's going to play. What if it's two more years of him bouncing around the three different leagues like he did this year? That's a disaster for his development. You know, that's for me that's one of the my big hesitations is you don't it's not that it's two years. I don't mind waiting two years. If the Avs draft Alex Turcott, realistically, you're probably waiting two years. Like, yeah. there's a very real possibility that they they could they could wait two years for that guy, whether it be one year in college and one year in the AHL, um, or just two years in college and then you know go, go like Makar and make the jump straight to the NHL. Regardless, it's it's two years that you're waiting, and I don't mind that part of it so much as the uncertainty of what his development track looks like in Russia. Is he going to be getting consistent minutes? Is he going to have a consistent role? Is he a guy that you get, you're comfortable is going to play uh, as many games as he can? Because that's the big thing with these kids. They need reps. They need ice time. And in Russia, the development system over there is as wonky as it is that I don't know that there's a guarantee that that happens. Yeah. Uh, it's it is a bit scary because you if you are developing in Russia you really really want them to be developing in the KHL. Yeah. The the MHL is the wild west. I mean the skill range there is so wide and goes so low that it, it's hard to get a ton out of that league and the VHL is is kind of the same way. It's at least professional, but we saw this year with Zaravilov can't say that name, but he kind of just disappeared into the second tier Russian league and there's mm-hmm. not much to say about him. It's it really is a, a concern for me about where he would be going. Uh, you know, he's got a contract with uh, St. Petersburg. I'd want him on that roster. Yeah, I, that I would, would be, you know, and maybe that's maybe that's part of the combine process for him is teams will have to find that out. You know, hey, has the KHL team told you where you're going to be? You know, what are you where are you planning on being? I'm not worried about him coming over. When we talk about the Russian factor. So much of it is, will the guy even come over to North America? I'm not worried about that at all. He's going to get drafted in the high in the first round. He wants to. He's already been on the record saying his dream is to play in the NHL. He wants to play in the NHL. I'm not worried about any of that. I'm not. That's that's not my concern. My only real concern is the development track, where he's going to play, and what right. the consistency of it looks like. Look, look at the difference between a Kravitzov and a Denisenko. You have Kravitsov, who played his draft year fully in the KHL and yeah. really excelled. And then you had Denisenko, who kind of struggled at first and didn't quite stick in the KHL and had an up-and-down year playing in the junior league. And they're just leagues apart right now. 
Yeah, well, and and Kravtsov is a guy that's probably going to come over and, you know, he signed his ELC and he's going to yep. play for the Rangers. And with Denisenko, you don't really know what that timeline looks like for Florida. Exactly. So it's it's a big difference when you're talking about Pug Colson, and it's just very uncertain. And when you're talking about a top five pick, man, that is a really big question mark. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I see him falling into more of a top 10 scenario. And if he does get past De- Detroit, um, you know, I can't imagine, like I said, uh, Buffalo, I can't see takes him. Edmonton, I feel like that, you know, Ken Holland is the guy that's been taking Swedish players for 25 straight years in uh, in Detroit and, you know, helped build the Russian five in, in Detroit. So I guess there's a different comfort level with him running the show there. But again, question marks, you know, you're there. There are enough red flags there that maybe Ken Holland is saying, I have to get this right. I'm not going to take a chance here. I, I actually have him slotting in at Edmonton. It's, I mean, but, if it works out, man, Pud Coles right. next to McDavid is like, okay. <laughs> exactly. But, but you're right. Especially if he gets past them, you're looking at Anaheim. They need defense. Vancouver kind of needs defense too, depending on how <laughs> they feel on your levy. So he really could start to tumble. Yeah. Well, and then uh, Minnesota is one of the wild card teams that I wonder about because, their experience um, with the with the Russian kid who hasn't hasn't come over, right. yeah, and has shown no interest in coming over, has been so negative that I wonder if they just stay away from it. You know, when Paul Fenton's running the show, Nashville not exactly known for its Russian pipeline. You know, you're talking about Radulov; they're the team that lived through that. So it would be it would be interesting to see where that that tumble would would stop for him if he gets past those couple guys. You know, Florida is an obvious candidate just because of their history. But as I wrote in my mock draft today, does Florida really seriously need to draft another forward? Their top <laughs> six is already loaded. They're yep. they're going to try and sign Artemi Panarin. All of their top prospects are forwards. You know, Henrik Borkstrom was their fourth line center last year. And like justifiably so. That's and you know they've Owen Tippett and Heppenyemi, Denisenko. You know, would they really take another forward? I guess that's the question, right? At what point in the draft does he just is he so much better than everyone else that you right. just have to take him? And I mean, and and the Russian factor is playing the role here because that's why he's slipping by some of these teams. Yep. You know, would would John Chaka do it? I don't really know what John Chaka ever is up to. Yeah. <laughs> and so I could see it just from the fact that John Chaka does what John Chaka wants. But I really have a hard time believing that in, you know, he would he would do that. He would take that risk. Yeah, they they're the team that just absolutely loves analytics, right? And I can't imagine they have quality <laughs> ones from like MHL play. So <laughs> Right. And then, you know, Montreal just seems like that's a place that, you know, when was the last time they took a Russian kid? I I never know with Montreal. I'm so bad at predicting what they're going to do. You know, I, I know Montreal actually did. I say that. I know they, in the second round last year, they took a kid from Russia and in Alexander Romanov. Uh, yep. But I think that was the first time they drafted a Russian in like 10 years. So I don't, I just don't know. You know, it's, it's very interesting that conversation, and I will say, 
if he obviously gets all the way to 16, you just take him. Like, that would be stupid. Oh, yeah. If he's there, he's better than the other forwards that are going to be available. But, you know, we also one of the things that I would say, though, is that guys fall every year. You know, we had we watched Joe Valeno last year, who we we all kind of thought was going to be a top 12 ish pick. And that dude ended up being picked at the end of the first round. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an extreme case. I was shocked that he fell as far as he did. But there are guys that absolutely fall out of the top 10 into the late teens and even 20s pretty much every year. I mean, Ty Smith last year, not even as extreme as as Joe. Ty Smith was a top 10 prospect all year. And he ends up going 17th. Right. It, It gets down to... You know, the the scouts, if they see something they don't like and it lines up with a lot of them, then guys start to tumble. Well, and, and it's kind of how, you know, my mock draft, I had Dylan Cousins going 11th. And it felt like a deep cut to me because I was just I was like, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. But he was also like the second guy on the board behind a couple of the different picks. And yeah. that can happen to a guy on an actual draft day where he just ends up being the second guy. And especially a guy like Pod Colson with the red flags that he's going to have, that he's going to go into draft day with. Um, that's a that's a big question mark, you know, and, and it could absolutely cause him to be the second guy on those boards where, oh, tiebreaker is, is we're just more comfortable with this guy developing in North America the next couple of years. And it could be as simple as that. Yeah, I, I think uh, the defensive class plays a big role in it, too, because Byram's well ahead of everyone else. And then you get into these teams, 8 through 14, 15, a lot of them are going to want defensemen, and mm-hmm. they're not going to be afraid to reach for some guys that maybe aren't quite so high on boards. And then you start getting a run of defensemen, and whichever forwards weren't picked already just start falling. Yeah, it's, you know, in my in my mock, I have... I think five or six defensemen going in a row because at some point, you know, the, the defensemen just start to back up, you know, it becomes like, it's obvious. Like those are now your best guys on the board and teams need them. And I think the, the thing is, is I still think that there's a wild card team in the top 10 somewhere that's going to take a defenseman before we expect it. I, have I you know one it could other be defenseman besides Byram in the top ten. So, like Buffalo could easily be it. They could. You know they've invested another organization that's invested heavily at forward, mm-hmm. and not and the, the the sad part is is that it hasn't worked out for them, and so they I think they need to continue to do that. But you get into that, and it's it's easy to see where a guy can start to drop a guy, you know, cousins, I think is a guy that's in great danger of dropping out of the top 10 just because his U 18s was very blah. He, you know, he, he was not a superstar in the postseason. I thought he was good. Yeah. I I worry about how one dimensional he's going to end up being at the next level. Well, and, and the fact that you and I both feel he's going to be a wing in the NHL, and that, yeah. for me, also takes a lot of the value away. It does. Because, you know, the, the center, it's always the center. We saw how valued centers were last year when uh, Kokaniemi goes three, you know, yeah. ahead of Kachuk and ahead of Zadina. Barrett Hayton goes five. Yeah. <laughs> it was It was just a desperate need for center help from some of these organizations where they were just like, look, we don't care. 
So what if this guy is four spots down on our board? He's a center. That makes him more valuable than Philip Zadina. Flat out. And if NHL teams ultimately see Cousins as a right wing, I think the same exact thing could be happening to him this year where the fact that he's he gets projected more to the wing, that's going to hurt his value, and it could move him down. Yep, I agree with that. All right. Let's go ahead and take our first break here. Got through the pod coals in conversation. Going to start our mock draft in the next segment here. Before we do that, you guys know what's coming. You guys know that we are going to get into some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is a CBD-enriched coffee that's really changed lives with incredible reviews that I I already know you guys have read these. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. We regularly keep it in the office and have a pot of it rocking and rolling. We're all big fans. Check it out for yourself today. Receive 20% off when you use promo code PSN2019 at checkout. You'll get it shipped straight to your door. Does it for segment number one here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We'll be back on the other side to kick off our mock draft. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. And welcome back in segment number two here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. I am AJ. He is Nathan. We are getting into uh, a mock draft. We wrote one on the site. We're going to do one on the pod. We will do another one on the site the week of the draft itself. And we'll probably also do another one on the pod the week of the draft. So let's just get right into it. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to give you the honors as the guest on the show. I will give you the first overall selection owned by the devils. Well, I'm going to do the thing that nobody thinks is going to happen and have the devils pick Kako. All right. Why? Uh, Well, for one, this world championships that he's having, uh, it's crazy, man. Yeah. I, I always like Kako as, as more than Hughes for me personally. Um, I love his size. I love the fact that he's playing in a, in the Liga way better than the league that Hughes spent most of the year in. Uh, but I understand that generally Hughes was pretty much slotted to go number one up until this World Championship. This feels like the first time where 
Kako has really seriously been in consideration for taking that spot. And I think it fits what New Jersey needs a little bit better uh, with taking Hishier a couple of years ago. They That's their one C of the future, regardless of what you think about the draft class. That was their plan mm-hmm. for him. Obviously, they have Taylor Hall on the other side. And if you get Kako there, the three-headed monster thing is kind of becoming a pretty common occurrence in the NHL now. You have Boston. It's, it's a little in vogue. Yeah. So that's why I'm leaning towards Kako for them. Do you think Kakao could play center uh, for the Devils, and would he be as effective there? And then they could do the same thing with Hughes um, that they would be doing with Hughes with the with the you know the one and two C and building the two different lines, uh, but just with a sturdier player. Um, I mean, can he play center? Probably. I'd be and he way did more- it in the second half of his season in the league, uh, and yeah. so that's that's been a lot of people's. Well, he did it, and he scored a bunch of goals, so obviously he's great at it. I I don't know, especially with guys who are goal scorers like Kako was in the league of this year. I prefer to have them on the wing most of the time. He also plays more like a, a bigger-sized wing. I think you want him penetrating and getting deep and scoring goals instead of more creation, I think. Yeah, I do think that he is a uh, – I do think he is a better fit at right wing as well, so – uh, well, I mean, number one and number two don't really matter. None of that yeah, changes anything. Right. Uh, I've got the Rangers pick, and I'm taking Jack Hughes. Of course. Um, it doesn't It doesn't really make any sense uh, for – I know a lot of Avs fans love the idea of four and 16 for number two. To me, it doesn't make any sense for the Rangers. They already have uh, quantity. This is their opportunity for quality. They're going to get – in this case, they end up with Jack Hughes. Yahtzee. Yeah, it's That's, a no-brainer for them. Whichever of the two is there, you just take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's – you just – I think they have the easiest pick in the entire draft. You yeah. just chill. Absolutely. They don't have to think <laughs> too much. If someone wanted to take it, it would take more than 4 and 16. You'd be looking at legit young NHL players to take that pick away. Yeah. They'd be asking for Kale McCarr, and you'd be like, well, how about Sam Gerrard? And then you're realizing, what am I doing? And yeah, exactly. You're just like, no, screw this. This is this is so stupid. We're not. We're just going to sit at four. All right. Just leave us alone. All right. You uh, have the I guess the unfortunate task now of picking for Chicago. I'm um, sorry to do you dirty like that. When I gave you the first <laughs> pick. I thought it was an honor. I didn't think about my the, the consequences here. So now you are picking for Chicago at three. I don't think it's that hard a one. Uh Turcott, we talked about it before, how there's already the connections there with him. And and I think they need a center. And Taze had a bit of a return to form this year, but mm-hmm. he's still not the $10.5 million player that he's getting paid <laughs> to be at center. So they need centers. Yeah, and, and I mean, Patrick Kane, not a center. Definitely like, not a center, yeah. So you're, you know, Dylan, we'll see how Dylan Strom ends up panning out. Uh, if they really believe in Strom, I could absolutely see this being Byram. It could um, be, yeah. Because, you know, uh, DeBrincat and uh, Strom and uh, and Kane is not a bad group to, to go to battle with. If you think the what those guys did last year was for real. Yeah, so. it, it's tough with Strom because I, I do believe he's better than he showed in Arizona, but. You a know, lot it, better. Well, it, and he got opportunity. Now, yeah, obviously, exactly. he got a great opportunity playing next to guys like DeBrincat and Kane, right. especially Kane. Uh, but it's it's interesting to me that these guys keep leaving Arizona 
and finding a great deal of success. Yeah, it's there's something going on there with Arizona. <laughs> you have to think because it, it wasn't even just Strom and it wasn't even just Domi, but Brandon Perlini had a nice year for Chicago. Yeah, uh, and you know, not not like a. I don't think he'll ever justify the the pick he ended up being taken with, but. Uh, certainly Chicago's just eating greedy by stealing all of Arizona's good draft picks. Yeah. They uh, got ahead of the game by jumping everybody in the draft this year and taking their own. Uh, I do think Turcotte makes plenty of sense. That leaves us with number four. Um, we did this, you know, we had this conversation, this exact conversation on last week's show. Yep. Uh, for me, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Byram at four. Same. Um, I just think that, you know, it's going to be for me. I think it's going to come down to Turcotte or Byram. Uh, if if something significant happens before then, you know, something happens on the on the back end. You know, if they add another defenseman somewhere, they get you know something happens where they have another defenseman somehow. Uh, then I think that then you could you could consider forwards, and that would probably be Doc for me. But in this case, it's Turcotte, Byram, whichever one's left over. Byram is the guy we're going with Byram. Yeah, I, I agree pretty much all the way there. Unless, you know, Doc shows up to the combine and just smashes. Yeah, definitely. So uh, you're back up on the clock. You got L.A. I, I think this one's a pretty easy Doc pick as well. He's the type of forward with size that they've always had an eye for. And fortunately, Velarde, who kind of would like you'd like to see fill the same role, has had lots and lots of struggles for them. So I think it's a pretty easy replacement pick there and with much higher ceiling as well. I'm sorry, who'd you have? Doc. Good. Smart man. It's such a good fit for their yeah. uh, for, for what they like to do. And man, the whole the, the whole Velarde thing yeah. just real unfortunate. Really, I mean, it bums me out. He was not he was not a guy um, that I loved for Colorado in his draft year. I didn't want him for the Avs, but it had nothing to do with what happened to him. Yeah, it was just I just thought it was a bad style fit. And I was actually he was one of the guys I was most excited to see how he would translate to this version of the NHL, because I think he was going to be a great litmus test on how power forwards uh, translate and how they how they work out in a smaller, faster version. Because if he just physically dominated, well, then teams are going to see that and be like, "All right, well, we got to get one of those." <laughs> yeah, it's it's such an unfortunate story because I really liked him that year too, and then all the injury stuff came out, and then it finally looked like he was starting to get healthy again. And yeah, nope. well, it was it was crazy because it was like, oh, he's getting healthy. It's starting to look. You're starting to feel like, okay, he's gonna he's gonna make his way back. This is gonna be a good thing. And then, oh, hey, his career may be in jeopardy. And you're like, yeah. whoa, back problems just aren't a thing that go away either. What now? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and and I always joke about like, oh, you know, back back problems. Those always get better. You know, oh, especially for for guys who are teenagers and, and in their young twenties. Oh, they all that always sticks around. You don't you, you don't ever have to worry about those. Those are just, those are no big deal at all. And it turns out back problems are the worst thing you can have. So yeah, just ask McGinn. Oh man, ask ask a lot of guys. Yeah, that's true. You know, ask the Nuggets and how concerned they are about Michael Porter Jr. being a guy that has back problems at age twenty. 
not a fun time. It's really, I, I can't even imagine. Like anytime my back hurts, I turn into a useless plug of a human being. <laughs> so I can't even imagine trying, trying to be a professional athlete and being like, oh yeah, there's something wrong with my vertebrae. Like, okay. <laughs> All right, I have the. Ugh, I thought I thought you had it bad with the Chicago, but I have to pick no, for Detroit. Fair is fair. <laughs> yeah, this this turned back around on me pretty quick. Uh, my temptation is always to pick like, okay, cool, we'll take Spencer Knight here and laugh about it. <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Stupid Detroit. Um, but instead, I mean Iserman. I think I'm gonna follow kind of what I did in the uh, in the, my mock draft that I wrote today. I'm going to I'm going to stick to the guns here and I'm going to go with Pod Colson because I think that it makes the most sense. He's a high-end guy. They fell all the way down to 6. This is their best chance to get uh potentially elite talent out of all these other cats. So, this is this is my guy. Yeah. I got Pod Colson for Detroit at 6. I I like him there. Uh you know, we've talked about the history in Detroit with Russians and mm-hmm. he again, he's what they they kind of need in a forward. They have the speed and guys like Larson, Larson and AA, and they they miss that that old type of Franzen like player that they used to have who can be big and just go in there, stand in front of the net, and do work for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean they they definitely need exactly what he brings, you know. And they're they're starting to build up a nice little cache of forwards here. Uh, it's taken a couple of years. Um. I do. I will say though that if there is a team that I think uh, could trade up to four uh, and and do that with Byram in mind, uh, if he gets past, obviously if he gets past Chicago at three, I think Detroit is the team that makes the most sense. Yeah, just moving two spots, um, they absolutely are dying, dying for defensive help. It's just the two spots. It really is only the two spots. Colorado would be guaranteed somebody good. And Detroit has three second round picks that they can offer up. Yeah. I, now, their two, two of those picks are late because <laughs> they belong to uh, the Islanders and the Sharks. So those are obviously playoff teams. Those are going to be later seconds, but they could offer up multiple seconds on top of sixth overall if they wanted badly enough to move up. I'm not saying that's likely. I don't think that it is. But if they were dying for the defenseman that they absolutely need, that would be something that I think Colorado should definitely give some consideration to. Yeah, I, I agree. If two seconds are on the table to move back two spots, you can't just hang up that phone. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's a relatively cheap price, all things considered. Um, you know, with with it being you're you're getting a, a guy that could be their number one defenseman, and Colorado would be getting a guy that probably is playing on their second line. Yep. Um, but allows Colorado to turn the five picks in the top three rounds into seven picks. And that's nice. Right. You want, <laughs> we talked about fleshing out their defensive prospect pool. Maybe you don't necessarily go for the top, top guy, but you get two yeah. or three in the second round. And all of a sudden you've got a solid pool. Right. Instead of instead of taking a defenseman and at 16 and then a goaltender in the second round and being like, hey, we helped our back line. You take two defensemen and a goalie in the second round alone. Yeah. And you're like, hey, we've really bolstered this group up quite a bit here. So that's yeah. that would definitely be of interest. Um, again, I don't think it's likely. I don't you know, 
But I'm just saying that's a team that I think lurks as a possibility where they could just say, hey, we're not going to we may not get an opportunity again like this. Usually the top defenseman in each draft class goes in the top three. Uh, We may not have an opportunity like this again. We are hoping not to continue to be this bad. So you never know. Um, I just thought it was interesting. I'll turn the clock back over to you with Buffalo's pick. Buffalo's a really tough one for me. Forwards. Yeah. I I really wanted to take Krebs here. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because I love Krebs, and I, I do think they need that type of all-around, more defensive center type that can play for them. But the problem, you mean like is, Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah, exactly like <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly that they traded away. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm not a big fan of Middlestat, so that's something that they still have in their in their NHL pool that could kind of get in the way of that. I think. Mm-hmm. So. Ultimately, I ended up sliding Soderstrom up to Buffalo. Whoa. Yeah. You went, okay, so I said that there's always a team that does this. Yep. So you decided to make me ultra correct on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, I I think this is too high for Soderstrom, but... yeah. When you well, need defensemen, you do crazy things. So, so let's 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 talk about this idea of value here for just a second. Where, if you were to make like a big board, a top twenty ranking, where would you have Soderstrom ranked? Ten or eleven? Okay. See, I have him. At, I have him right at twelve. Okay. And so you're talking the seventh pick. Is it a reach? Yes. But is it's not it like is crazy? <laughs> right. Exactly. Like you're, and if you end up being correct about Soderstrom. You end up being, you know, getting it right, and he ends up turning into a top four guy for you. That's very, very good. Your only thing is, is you hope that the guys you passed on, you know, Krebs, right, uh, Boldy, uh, Cousins, you know, you hope that Zegras, you hope that those guys don't turn into all stars. Um, yeah, because yeah. I don't know that Soderstrom has that kind of upside, and that would be my big. That's why I have him at twelve. Absolutely. If I thought if I thought he could be an all star, I'd have him more like six or seven. And and the thoughts that play into it as well, the ones I'd be watching and am hard pressed to give up are Krebs and Zegras. I'm not near as big of a fan of Cousins and Boldy. So, yeah, I it is it is an, they are in an interesting situation. Um, I do think that with Dahlin, uh with uh, you know they added Brandon Montour and with Rasmus yeah. Ristolainen that. For me, like I think those are three guys that they can they can build around. And so I'm surprised you're prioritizing defense this much with them, given that they do have those guys. But in So here's the thing I've seen in the past couple of years with Buffalo, and we alluded to it with the O'Reilly deal, is they do this thing where they'll load up on forwards, but they'll get rid of all their defensemen to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the next time, next year or two years later, they'll have the load up on defensemen, but get rid of all their forwards to do it. And so they keep seesawing back and forth. So yeah. I, I think it would be good for them to just stay the course a little bit and actually flesh something out and have a solid core, even going as far as your fourth D in the case of a Soderstrom there. But uh, if they came up and picked Krebs, I would say that's a great pick for them too. I definitely, and this is, you know, this is where you start to, I think that this portion of the draft is going to be absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Because there are guys that we all di- we all love differently, right? Like, you're not as high on Boldy, and I think I think Colorado should take Boldy a four. Right, yeah. And 
it's going to be fascinating to see how the NHL, how NHL teams value all these different cats and where these guys go. Because, you know, we're talking last segment about Pod Colson dropping. You could easily see a guy like Matt Boldy at like 13. Yeah, it, the range is so wide. All of the this <clears> second <throat> tier, I guess you could call it maybe tier 2.5. There's a couple guys yeah. in the in the two tier. Uh, it It's such a variation and they're all so close together, depending on what you like that. Yeah, and it's and it's centers, and it, there's a couple of centers, there's a couple of wings, there's a defenseman or two, depending on how you have them ranked. Yeah. Like it's it's very interesting to me to see how this is all going to play out. All of this culminates. I have the last pick of this segment here with Edmonton at number eight. Ken Holland is the guy that I think changes how I approach this pick quite a bit. Had it been no management or different management. Um, I, my first mock draft, I had them taking a defenseman because I think they, they were just going to continue to prioritize that. Um, Evan Bouchard looks like he's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, and that defense I think is, is starting to get pretty solid there, you know, <laughs> with, you know, with Clef bomb and, and, uh, nurse and Larson and Bouchard and, uh, you know, if 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 Sakara is ever healthy again, like for an extended period of time, like all interesting guys bet there to help the young kids out too. Yeah, I mean some some cats that are going to be a little overpaid, but ultimately, I think that's starting to become a pretty solid defense. I think that they'll have to prioritize forward, and I think this is where you talk about what what do you need. And for me, I think I think Edmonton needs a guy that can play next to. McDavid. Yeah. They you know, they've McDavid, got Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl and then what? <laughs> right. And you've got Dreisaitl and then, okay, so I'd rather see Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins together long term and sure. free up McDavid. Or, you know, you keep those two guys who just had 100 points playing together and you find somebody to play next to Nugent Hopkins. The point is, is you cannot continue to sit around and talk about Chase on. You can't rely yeah. on those guys every single year. Let alone like the Lucic problem that they have. You're so. Right. So yeah. for me, you know, this is, that means I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the forward group and I'm like, Ugh. you know, I've got Zgras who I don't want to take here. Yeah. Um, so. More of a, more of a, he's more of the same of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. Exactly. Um, for for me, this is either really and and like Krebs. As much as I love Krebs, I just don't think he's what they need. I think they need a goal scorer. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sitting here. I'm looking more at you know Boldy Cousins and Cole Caulfield. Yeah, I, I figured if Boldy went this far, that would be your pick. That's what I was guessing. So, so but it's it's does Boldy have as much of a goal scoring upside? Because I think again, that's what I think they absolutely need the most of. Yeah, I, I think you could definitely make a case for Cousins there if you really want to pull a goal scorer. Um, but again, when you're talking about the fact that they already have guys like Lucic and Chase on on the team, and you're looking at some of the one dimensional problems I see with Cousins, mm-hmm. do you need a little bit more versatility there? Because if it comes down to it, you can pretty much put anyone next to McDavid, and he'll do just fine. Sure. But I mean, we you, saw that with Pat Maroon, right? Right. So, so unless you know they're just a player that's completely falling apart like Lucic was, I 
you might want to look at someone like Boldy, who you can switch between the top six two lines for them and just have him be wherever you need him to be. Or I could go with the guy who scored 72 goals this year. You could. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I just don't see Caulfield going that high, to be honest with you. I, you don't I, think that after the destruction of U18s where he scored 14 goals that that was like, and you're the, and oh, well, he played next to Jack Hughes while in Edmonton, he'd play next to Connor McDavid. Uh, that's true. I, you know, I, I could be wrong on that one, but, and I guess, you know what, with Holland coming in actually, and they clearly did not have a fun time going for the big guy in Lucic, maybe, maybe there is something to that actually. I'm not – I don't love Caulfield personally, um, you know, and I don't mean that in a way of like, you know. No, I, I hear you. I'm with you on that. I, I, it, it's just I don't – I can't – I think for Edmonton, if I'm sitting in Edmonton's shoes, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, My I, personal feelings on Caulfield have me bailing out of that and saying no thanks. So right. – Ultimately, I think this is where I'm going to put Cousins. Okay. That's because fair. I think that there's a power element there that they like. There's a shoe-first mentality that that could really – I think they're going to get everything that they wanted out of Lucic in Cousins. And they're going to get that goal scoring. They're going to get They're going to get a guy that could that can fill a couple of different roles for them. You know, if they end up deciding to move on from a new Jim Hopkins because they need to save money or whatever um, – then cousins could could potentially slot in as a as a two C. You know they could they could yeah. give him burn there where they could they could absolutely try him out and, and let him fail there before they commit to him as a right wing. But ultimately, you could end up with a Drysaddle McDavid Cousins top line, where each of those guys scores thirty goals for you. You know, yeah, and I mean, we're we're talking about hey, Kakao goes first overall, so you can put him next to Heisher and and Hall. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Three-headed right. monster is it's in vogue right now. And, you know, when you get a guy like Cousins, especially if you can put him into a line A-esque type role where you just set him up and have him be the trigger man, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be worried about him at all. Yeah. I He's just not a guy. My big concern with Cousins is, is he good enough to do it all on, on his own? Right. In Edmonton, he wouldn't have to. Yep. All right. That is going to do it for the first half of our mock draft here. This has taken some turns already, and I think <laughs> I think they've been reasonable turns and not just we're throwing jello at the wall simply for the sake of entertainment. Uh, that was probably why I talked myself out of Caulfield <laughs> was because yeah. I think that would have been strictly a this is just fun to think about and let's just see how this plays out. Yeah. Instead, Caulfield's going to be sitting there on the board for the second half of the draft, potentially for maybe number 16 at Colorado. Before we get out of here and and, uh, do all that, we're going to pay those bills. Got to tell you guys about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online. Head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase that is the green solution we are the bsn avalanche podcast presented by total beverage we will be right back 
If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have colorado beers on tap all the games on the tvs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue welcome back in here third and final segment of today's bsn avalanche podcast presented by total beverage i'm aj hayfully he's nathan rudolph we are in the second half of a mock draft here we made picks one through eight last segment which you know because you already listened to it. So, Nathan, we left off with you picking for Anaheim here. I think you have an interesting choice here because Anaheim needs a certain position and it's just not really here right now. Yeah, it's they need D. I mean, they have they've picked one D in the last two years, I think, and it was in like the sixth round. And they're they're pro side prospects. It's not exactly a deep pool either. I think, you know, if Buffalo does stick to their forward game, I think this is a very reasonable spot for Soderstrom. But since he's gone, they're, the forwards that are left are just too good compared to the D that are left to to take a D here. Uh, I'm going to end up taking Krebs. It's crazy to me that we're talking about Anaheim needing to take defense. Yeah, they just traded away so much of it. So... I I actually put out a tweet last season, uh, last February, last February, like three months ago. <laughs> um, guys that Anaheim has drafted and traded. Are you ready for this? Oh, boy. Jake Gardner, Sami Vat- uh, Sammy Vatnin, Shea Theodore, Brandon Martu- Montour, and Marcus Pedersen, who they traded to Pittsburgh last year. So you've essentially built a decor there alone. <laughs> right. Uh, the defense that they tr- have traded away is better than the one that they currently have. <laughs> and what they got in return for those guys, for that defense that they all, that they drafted and traded away, what they got in return, Daniel Sprong. Oof. Brendan Goulet. Oof. A 2019 first. Okay, that's not so bad. Francois Beauchemin. Oof. <laughs> Adam Henrique, Joseph Blandisi, a 2018 third, and Clayton Stoner selected by Vegas in the expansion draft. That's pretty brutal. (laughs) They gave up Jay Gardner, Sammy Vodnan, Shea Theodore, Brandon Montour, Marcus Pedersen for all of that. Lay off the trade trade game, Anna. (laughs) 
I always say that there's no bigger organ, no bigger example of an organization that has a disconnect between its amateur and its pro scouting than than Anaheim, because that right there goes to show that their amateur guys know exactly what they're doing. Yep, they crush the draft. And if you're a longtime listener, you're rolling your eyes because I have found a way to give Anaheim all kinds of props again <laughs> for their ability to crush the draft. But their pro side finds a way to sabotage them at all turns. Crazy town. I can't believe that we're talking about Anaheim needing defense. And the crazy thing is, like, their defense, it's not like their NHL defense isn't terrible. No. You know, I mean, it could be way better, though. (laughs) Cam Fowler, Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson, and I do like Brendan Goulet. Those four guys right there, like that's a solid group. And they do have Mahura in the pipeline. That's their one guy. Yeah, they've got Josh Mahura. Um, but after that, man, like like there's a reason they have Andre Schuster and Jake Dotchin, like that they've been picking up pieces yep. from other You know, Jacob Larson was a first-round pick that is not in the NHL. You know, he, he played – 50 games last year for for the Ducks and they pulled the ripcord and said, uh, we're good. So, you know, it's an interesting, interesting group, interesting franchise. They're at a very weird place. Um, so it's, it's interesting, you know, all of these things. So interesting. It's my favorite word. Um, at nine, you're going with Krebs going with Krebs. Uh, I think he's the best forward left on the board right now. And it it does seem like a solid fit for the Ducks for a couple of reasons. Like you said, they're such a good drafter, and I think we both expect mm-hmm. Krebs to rise some as we get closer to the draft. I do think that uh, the Combine will be Krebs' big thing. I keep tweeting. I, I tweeted out like a million times, Krebs going top five this year, because I think the Combine is going to be huge for him. Yeah, I you know, like I said a week ago, he was he would be someone that I would seriously consider it for for the Avs. So I'm very high on him. And it also unfortunately seems like it could fit a role that the Ducks need as a defensive forward with you know, Kessler's career seems like it's pretty in jeopardy right now. And I don't Krebs isn't that type of guy. He's not gonna do all the dirty crap that Kessler pulls off, but but he can be a, a very sound defensive forward for them, I think, for a very, very long time. I think he's a he's a really interesting X factor kind of guy because I do think that if he if needed he can be like that two way yeah you know I, defensive guy that gives you fifty points. I yeah. really do wonder, and I wrote in my mock today. Uh, I can't help but wonder what we would be t- how we would be talking about Peyton Krebs if he and Dylan Cousins had swapped teams this season. Right. Yeah. Because if he Krebs was a center just- playing for playing for Lethbridge this year. And Cousins was trying to drag around that terrible Kootenay team. How would we be talking about these guys right now? Yeah, I, I agree with you there for sure. Krebs was uh was in a wasteland there. <laughs> it's well, and it's funny because we talk about him like as yo, know, he's a he's a great two way guy. He's really awesome. You know, he was a point per game player, even though he only had nineteen goals. And then you always get that one guy who's like he was a negative fifty, and it's like yeah. <laughs> 
true. <laughs> like, yeah. And more than anything, that should go to tell you what a horrible, right. horrible team he was on. Exactly. I mean, that a guy that good is always on the ice for goals again. I mean, that's uh, he, awful. He did all the things because he had to. Nobody yeah. else was going to do it on that team. Well, and I mean, this is a guy that was, when he was drafted into the WHL, was a left wing. Yep. And they moved him to center because they were like, all right, well, you're our best player. We're going to treat this like you're 14 years old. Our best player plays center. So go do that now, please. (laughs) And he did it. And he had a good year. I mean, he was a point per game guy on an awful, awful team. Yeah. So I, you know, and then, well, and then he goes to U18s and I thought he was very good at U18s. Yeah. I liked him quite a bit there. Right, like you said, he he does run into the same thing Doc does. That you, the question is, how good is his shot, really? Yeah, but he's still just such a complete player and complete package. It's he really is the the all around, and you and I definitely agree. Uh, if if the Avs shocked the world and, and took him at four, I think since you won't be at the draft, I think we would be doing an international high five. Yeah, it'd be all smiles for sure. <laughs> um, and in terms of like actual like raw fit, you know, I think arguably the only guy who would be a better fit as as the two C behind McKinnon could could be Turcott. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's kind of what they miss in Ryan O'Reilly too. Not unlike Buffalo, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The difference, the difference is that the abs got guys that are actually helping them elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and Buffalo gave them away for a song. So, yep. <laughs> all right. I've got the 10th pick uh, with Vancouver. They need a little bit of everything. They absolutely need defense. Uh, they absolutely need help throughout, honestly, throughout their entire organization. They're nowhere near as, as, as good as I think they think they are. And so I'm just going to go ahead and take Boldy. He's the best guy left on my board. Um, they've got uh, they've got a one C in in Pedersen. They've got a two C in Horvat. Um, wing help is definitely something they need. Uh, you know, I thought it was, I thought they 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 got exposed pretty badly last year when you have a top line with with Pedersen and Besser, and you're like, oh yeah, this is this is a really good line, and then they're like Sven Berchi. You know, Nikolai, Nikolai Goldolbin. And you're like, dude, what? (laughs) Like, you're trying to sell me Nick Goldolbin as like the guy on your top line here. I think so. I'm like, this is like when the abs had TJ Galliardi on their top line and they tried to push that as it was like, oh, who does all the dirty work? And you're like, no, no, you just don't have anybody else. And he's not good enough for that job. Don't lie to me. I think yeah. Boldy solves that problem. He goes in there and he can play next to either Horvat. I mean, if he goes in there and he plays next to Horvat, I think that ends up being a really, really good defensive line that can also give you offense. If he goes in there and he plays next to Pedersen and uh, Besser, again, three-headed monster. Yep. So very interesting. Uh, makes perfect sense for me and a little bit of a – Little bit of a godsend. I love Boldy. I think Boldy and Krebs are probably two of my favorite players in this entire draft. For them to go nine and ten kind of stabs me a little bit, but I also think it's justifiable the way that we got here. So let's just keep on moving. Philadelphia uh, is next. Yeah, even as a as a Boldy dissenter, I think 
I'd be perfectly comfortable taking him here. Um, for Philly, I'm going forward. I look at their young decor and go, okay, that's great forever. Don't have to worry about that for a second. Uh, and I'm going to take Zegris, who as the one left that is is really in that top tier. I, I think it, if he's the one left there, it's a no brainer for Philly for Philly to go with him and and set themselves up nicely with a with a passing center. You know, and after what happened last year, uh, they bit hard, hard on the Jay O'Brien hype. Yeah. Uh, and then watched him go to Providence and score five points. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Patrick hasn't really come to fruition for them either. Right. Like he's he's been OK. Yeah. You know, I still I still like Patrick, but but he's is he really going to get up to that 50 60 point range right back to back 30 point seasons you're yeah. kind of sitting there like is, is it ever going to happen right you know and you do wonder like hey what would happen if he got to play you know with bet with a couple better players and not like on their third line right yeah you do wonder but at the same time it's like you got you also have to it's it's that double-edged sword that we have with Tyson Jost right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, he looks good when he's playing with the lesser players and then he gets with the better players and the production doesn't follow very quickly and you can't wait around forever uh, losing games because you're trying to make this thing happen with this one guy in particular. Uh, so it's, it's definitely... Um, it's definitely this, this weird catch-22... I think that uh, he Zegras, you know, that's, you know, they took Farabee and O'Brien last year. I think this makes perfect sense um, just because O'Brien already. Whew, Oops. Yeah, you're really. <laughs> and I'm not a big fan of Farabee, to be honest, either. But he did have a very solid year. So. Yeah. Well, and Farabee had the kind of year I did not see coming. Yeah. Because uh, I was very low on Farabee last year, but he had exactly the kind of season where I was like, Okay, well, I guess this guy's all right. Yeah, and the thing is, um, you know, they've they've got forward help. You know, um, Morgan Frost, another center prospect yeah. that they have. Uh, uh, German Rupsov, more of a defensive guy, but another center prospect uh, that they've that they've got hanging out. You know, who was a first round pick? I'm I'm curious how all of that would play out. You know, Zgros is just. That's just a case of, hey, this is the best guy on our board, and this is we're just going to get out of the way and let this happen. Yeah, I agree. I, I think everyone else left, including the top defensemen, are just not on the same tier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at that point, this is, you know, we talked about it uh, last or in the first segment with Pod Coles, and at what point is he, is, is, the, is the talent outweighing the red flags? Boom. This is... Yep, this that is that case with Zgrass right here. Yep. All right, I've got the Minnesota Wild next up. Um, it it it's turning out to be a disadvantage. It's, you hate. <laughs> it's it's turning out to be. I'm going to actually, um, but <laughs> it's turning out to be a disadvantage that I wrote a mock draft right before recording this because I've got some of these picks fresh in my head. Uh, but I'm going I'm going with Broberg here. Okay, yeah, I like that. Actually, I think they need defense, defense, defense. Yep. They have been going forward for years. They took a first rounder uh, last year on defense. Whiffed horribly on a first round. Did not go well at all. So they need to run it back and and try it again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I've got them going back to Sweden and trying this, uh, you know, trying it out again uh, with with Broberg, who's very uh, reminds me a lot of Timothy Liljegren in that uh, an elite skater. But every other aspect of his game is something you're working on. Yeah, Um, we'll see how it all develops, but he's a high upside guy and. I think that Fenton is going to try to recreate a little bit of the Nashville magic where he just starts hammering away at defensemen and centers. And then, you know, when, as the centers start to develop, whoever works out, ultimately these guys can get moved out to wings uh, and start filling those roles. I think that's exactly how he's going to try and do it, which is uh, very much what Nashville has been doing for a long time. I think he's going to try and recreate that model in Minnesota. Yeah, I, I think they're they're actually a decent spot to take a chance on Broberg too, yeah. because they have some solid stuff right now. Obviously, they're locked into Suter for forever, which is kind of a problem actually. <laughs> yeah. But they have Dumba, they have Spurgeon, they have Brodine. None of them are like Dumba, maybe, but the other two aren't super high caliber guys. Well, I think Spurgeon's on the move this summer. Uh, he's got he's he's going into the final year of his deal. He's gonna be this is when this is when he's gonna be valuable. Yeah, and and this is a perfect time for Minnesota to have stopgap guys anyway, yeah. because it's 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 rebuild time as much as they can. Well, for they're them they're right kind now. of in like this weird pseudo rebuild, yeah. pseudo like retool phase because they're stuck with Suter and Parise. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and you know they they gave Eric Stahl a two year extension. Uh, yeah. Miko Koivu's on the books for another year, so they're stuck with these aging guys who are solid enough to keep them afloat. In the conversation, right? Keep yeah. them, keep them out of the basement. Is is that like? Yeah, they are firmly in that Dallas zone now, where they're <laughs> they're a flawed roster, but they're okay. And yeah. and I say that like not this year's Dallas team or next year's Dallas team, but like the last five years of Dallas, where they could make the playoffs if things go really well, but they probably you know they won't win a round, and you don't really expect any. The, their upside is not very high. Their downside isn't low enough for them to be in the top five. Calgary and Dallas finally broke out of that zone, so they're the new tenants, kind of. Yeah, right. It's now the Minnesota zone, really. It, yeah. it really honestly is. Um, okay, so you, I believe you're back up on the clock with Florida. Yeah, well, Broberg was actually going to be my pick for Florida, Suck so it. you sniped me on the board there. But I, I'm sticking with D here. I think this is where the D run really does start. Mm-hmm. And I'm going with Cam York. Uh, I like you said, you know, Florida's top six, especially, is is plenty stacked. They don't need to add too much to that as long as they lock everybody down. Mm-hmm. And and York is, I think you like him more than I do, but he's that type of puck moving defenseman that can really contribute offensively. You know, Ekblad's offensive game never quite got to that really super high level that they wanted it to. So I think they have some room there. Aaron Ekblad is basically mirroring Eric Johnson's career. In so many ways, yeah. That it's starting to freak me out. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's because, like, he scores scores a little over 10 goals every year, like right in that range. Uh, but he doesn't ever break 40 points. He, there's just not very much offense being generated when he's not shooting. You know, not that 20 assists is anything to like be embarrassed about, but it's he's not he's not dynamic is what we're saying. Yeah. And then they both ran into injury troubles too. Ekblad's a little bit scarier with the concussions maybe, but Yeah. 
And uh, I agree. I mean, this is actually the pick I made in my mock today. So there you go. Um, basically, Keith Yandel coming off a career year. He's got four years left as their offensive defenseman left on his contract. Uh, I think that this gives them runway. You know, you've got two years of Cam York in college, maybe three. We'll see how it goes. And then he can work his way into the NHL and kind of take that job from Yandel as he gets into his mid-30s, late-30s. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, ultimately, maybe that's a guy that they end up sacrificing to the expansion draft gods. And sure. and York yeah. becomes a one-for-one replacement right away. But Yeah, a lot of sense there. Yeah, with I do think that the I will say they were the first team I strongly considered Spencer Knight. Yeah, I just can't I can't do it. I can't put him in the top half of the first. It would be it would be ultra bold. <laughs> but you never know with the Panthers too. Like they they every year at the draft they do something yeah. that catches me off guard. Crazy. Like I I did not see them going Denisenko last year. And then they followed it up with Saren Noel. And you're like, these are two wildly different players. <laughs> like, do you guys have a type? Do you have a do you have a belief in what you guys are doing? Because, you know, the year before they got Tippett and Happen Yemi. Again, two very different players. Yeah, they're uh their front office hasn't exactly been the most stable either. So <laughs> Oh yeah, right. I mean you've got you've got old school guys against the uh, the computer boys. So that was a classic battle uh anyway starting to run a little bit long here and we haven't even gotten down there so yeah let's uh i've got the coyotes next another organization that i honestly just don't know what to do with yeah i they they're gonna do whatever they want to (laughs) do they have a system in there where they're gonna get their guy and whoever that happens to be is a tough pick yeah i think this is a i think this is this is a good spot for a flawed guy that that can do some damage. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give them Kaliev. Okay, I like a that. big like a big home run swing where they really need some goal scoring help. Well, this is that's that's it right there. And then he can do nothing and drop thirty when he gets traded to Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> maybe that's what I should be doing. Maybe I should have maybe I should have picked for Arizona, who I think will hurt. Colorado the least when they end up in Chicago in four years. There you go. <laughs> I went about this all the wrong way. I was trying to help him out. <laughs> all right. You uh you got to Montreal. Yeah. Uh like I said, Montreal's a really unpredictable one for me. Um <laughs> yeah. I I think a lot of it is gonna come down to how they really feel internally about guys like Mete and Yulson. Mm-hmm. If they're really comfortable with them going forward, I think they're all right on D. Uh, so that's the way I went with it. And I, I'm taking Caulfield for Montreal. Okay. Uh, they've they've waited so long for their 1C that they finally have one. And I think they need to really build correctly around him. Uh, they have Druin, but, you know, he's a lot of inconsistency has cropped up in his game. And you could argue maybe the same thing could happen to Caulfield here. But mm-hmm. I, I think they really do need an, an elite goal scoring talent that can help flesh them out in the top six. So let me ask you, had Caulfield gotten a 16, would you have taken him? No. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it would have been weird. Justin Caulfield yeah, I, as your second line makes you really uncomfortable. Yeah, I, we're 
definitely into a part of the draft where you should be drafting a little bit more for need, I would say. <laughs> yeah, it, um, man. All right. Anyway, we're at 16. We're both going to make a pick here. I'm actually seeing how this is all unfolded. I'm actually wondering if we make the same pick. Um, But Colorado sitting here at 16. You're the guest on the show. I'll let you go first. Well, I don't know who you're going to pick here, but I'm falling in line with our last episode and I have new hook ahead. (laughs) If you're taking him, I'll take, I'll take Suzuki. If you're taking new hook. Why? So why would you take Suzuki over new hook? Serious question. Uh, I, I'm a little more confident in Suzuki getting to the NHL level a bit faster. Mm-hmm. Like, like we said on the show about New Hook, it's hopefully he's ready after two years of college. Whereas with Suzuki, I think you're looking at two years of juniors for him and then slam dunk it. He'll at worst be a top end prospect in the AHL and at best right into the NHL. Okay, well, I am taking New Hook. Um, I just think that with the defenseman at four, that opens it up. Um, yep. I, it, to me, it just makes the most sense. I think he's the he's the best forward that I have left available. I agree. Um, he's a he's a center, which they obviously still do need. Uh, other guys that I really uh, consider here, um, I, I like Tomasino. It's a little early for him, though, for me. Yeah. Um, although, again, like that's one where if that's what happens on draft day, like I'm not going to shake a stick at that because you're probably talking five to seven draft spots versus a ranking, you know, and um, there really isn't a defenseman here that I love, love, love. And after taking Byram at four, I really don't have the heart to go DD like that. Yeah, same. D- like I said, DD is the one thing that I really wouldn't do. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so going with new hook, like the offensive upside, I um, think that he's going to be a dynamic player down the road. Love the skill, love the skating. Um, the abs have always been comfortable picking out a junior a as well. Yeah. I mean, they did it in the first round two years in a row. Yeah. So, you know, they're definitely not afraid of that. That is one thing I will give them credit is that they have, they've not been afraid to draft out of pretty much any league. Yep. You know, they've moved away from the CHL leagues, but we're talking last year alone. They drafted three guys out of the Russian juniors, uh, some guys out of the USHL, uh, a guy out of the Finland juniors and a guy out of the Czech pro league. You know, they're all over the, the year before that. They, they, they drafted uh, obviously McCarr out of the AJHL. Then they drafted out of the OHL. They they also drafted out of the Czech juniors, the Russian juniors, and Minnesota high school. So, you know, you're talking the Avs have been one of those teams that when you're when you're trying to find a pattern in their drafting, their pattern is there is no pattern. Yep. You know, the they're the really only like reliable thing that they have done is draft overage goaltenders from Europe. And and then last year they were like, well, how about just goaltenders from Europe? Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy to see 
just how wide of a net they cast. And just like with Annan, that was clearly a guy they liked and they got him and traded back to get him. So, yeah, I mean, it would be nice if they would do something with the guys that they picked up to trade back to yeah, get, but sure would. <laughs> another conversation for a, for a different day though. Um, and you know, I didn't love Philip Hallander, so it didn't really bother me that he went. Uh, with the pick that they gave up. Let's go ahead and uh, and get out of here. Do you have any final thoughts on our mock draft here other than it's a masterpiece? Uh, I I love it. The the one things that I well, one the one thing that I really do think happened we mentioned with Krebs, I think he'll move up. I I can see him pretty easily going even to like Detroit where we have Pod Coles in here. Yeah. Um, and then Soderstrom would be the one that I think has a decent chance of moving back from where I have him. I do think that, uh, I think Zgros is the guy that I think has the widest variance here, uh, because I think that he's a very legitimate possibility for Los Angeles at five. And so him, you know, moving up from 11 to five would be a big, big difference there. And and in terms of situation too, my goodness. (laughs) <laughs> you know, he goes he goes from a team that has a ton of center prospects and a lot of a lot of forward depth uh, to Los Angeles. <laughs> Please help us right now. Yeah, which like Austin Wagner looked like their best player down the stretch last year where you were like, you know how you know how you know you're really bad <laughs> when Austin <laughs> Wagner is like your star down the down down the uh, last couple weeks of the season. That's ugly, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not going to get better either for them, I don't think. I think it's going to take some time, man. Um, yeah. Well, I would love to have you back. Uh, we are, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Jesse is uh, dealing with some real-life stuff this week. So I would love to have you back on the show sometime this week, maybe as early as tomorrow. I'd love to talk about some NHL players. Um, we still have a ton of offseason to get to. It's going to be an exciting free agent time as Colorado chases after all the names we expect them to chase after. Um, and, you know, obviously Artemi Panarin is Bay. So we'll, you know, we'll get into that plenty. But I do want to thank you again for coming on the show today. Reddit loves this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for having me as always. I, you know, I always appreciate a chance to get a talk with you guys. Well, per usual, pimp yourself. Yeah, we'll we'll do the quick version since I know we're going long. Uh, you can find me at Avalanche Review on Twitter and YouTube. Uh, all of my content is there, as well as more draft content uh, at BurgundyRainbow.com. Uh, we appreciate all the all the viewership we get. It's it's a it's a great time to come hang out. We also have a Discord server if you want to just talk abs twenty four seven and from our website. So be sure to check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I used to spend time over at that Discord server. And uh, let me tell you, it is a sinkhole of a life. (laughs) Because you'll just sit there and talk hockey all day long. Yep. And it's a great time. Uh, I like like a lot of the folks there that that throw in their two cents. And if you guys aren't part of that community, you absolutely positively are missing out. And you want to get involved in that uh, as soon as possible. As for us, we're going to go ahead and call it a day here. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. It's the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will see you tomorrow.